pastor expecting one for it to maybe be way to one side about you know our kids as a parent and as a pastor way to one side about you know something traditional or something hyper familiar and seeing God bring both those together to a place like where it was very Christ honoring and glorifying and I think really slowed us down to help us not only see the story but see it with the joy that only our kids can present the story in. And it was just a cool time for us as a church. I'm really thankful for it. Yeah, something like that is kind of similar to Advent in the fact that it can be hyper-familiar to us in a way that we miss out on Jesus in the middle of it. And what I've learned about Advent and these candles and these words is, is very cool, but at the same time, it's very much man-made. It's something that we've made to help serve the story to kind of help slow us down like road signs to help us look around through the Christmas story. And so many times, like we're prone to do as humans, we can make stuff backwards and flip it around and we make the story serve those words instead. And I've gotten such great encouragement from people in just time with the Lord this year to really slow down and sit in the story and the emotions of these characters um, that are close to Christ and these characters that seemingly are random that are brought in from far from Jesus and how God enters our world in flesh and just how beautiful and crazy and miraculous that story is. So we'll look at peace this morning, but use it as a guide to help us emphasize God's peace in the story. And it's very cool and appropriate because we looked at joy last week. We celebrated the advent of joy. And bottom line, it ended up being what the angels told the shepherds that were afraid because the glory of God was shining before them saying, hey, don't be afraid. Be full of joy, be joyful, because you and God were not good with each other. You're sinful, he's holy, y'all weren't good between each other, and now you can be joyful because there's a Savior coming to save you from that reality. You who were once separated from God, y'all are good now. There's an opportunity for you to be good with a glorious, perfect, holy God through Jesus, transcendent joy through a broken relationship being repaired through the person of Jesus It'd be like if we were walking around guilty of some crazy crime and the law was chasing us and somebody got a hold of us and said, hey, you're, you're innocent. You've been found innocent. You're not being chased anymore. That kind of flooded relief of joy that would transcend any other small inconveniences that might go on in our life at that point, the joy of being relieved from not being in right relationship with someone, namely our creator and maker of the angels saying, hey, you can have joy and if that's what seeing Jesus come into our lives feels like, or you know, maybe cognitively what we think of, what we hold on to, we get to see the angels continue to talk to the shepherds today. And I think we get a, a glimpse into what we do with that. So as we look at our peace with God, we get to see what, you know, being full of joy because we're good with God, who we were once not good with, we get to see what we you know, respond in that way to. So today we're going to see what peace produces in this story, the Christmas story. We're going to look at three things, namely. So I'm going to read, I'm going to backtrack just a little bit um, into verse 12 of Luke chapter 2. I'll read through verse 20. So these are the angels that showed up. They're talking to the shepherds in verse 12. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. 
When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told to them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Let's pray. God, as we get closer um, to a little less than a week from now, we've probably started moving faster. Um, There's been more probably headaches and things forgotten and things ordered and things delayed and hard talks over the phone with family about who's going to be where and when. And in that flurry of stuff, would you help us slow down and look at you uh, to soak in the story, to behold the story? God, we acknowledge that we are very dependent on you in that to help give our busy minds and hearts and souls spiritual eyes and ears to be able to hear and see you. So please help us. And we ask through Jesus who's coming we celebrate. Amen. So to recap the story, if you missed last week, you know, we were with the shepherds. So there are shepherds in a the field. They're at work. They're just at work. They're at their job yeah, in, yeah, out, out from Bethlehem. They're minding their own business, and there's an angel, and they're afraid. The glory of God and lights and probably what was a very dramatic scene is before them. And we see God very graciously ease them into his presence. He starts with one angel and kind of chills them out, and then there's a multitude of angels. I bet if he came out with a multitude, they'd probably pass out. Yeah, they, they wouldn't take that well. So they're saying something. The, the angels say something to the shepherds that's amazing, and I think it sums up last week well. They say, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. These angels tell the shepherds there's peace between God who deserves glory and some people on earth, some humans that are broken. And that is a completely scandalous, insane, extreme statement because of our imperfections as humans and all the things we're capable of thinking doing and saying and because of God's glory and perfection y'all wait till the first of the year when we get to Genesis 4 the the world falling apart is nothing new it's been falling apart for a long time and it's due to us being broken and these angels are saying hey there's peace between God and y'all as messed up folks in this news of God being good with humans through Jesus, it's, it's straight from heaven. It's from people, from beings that were with God in heaven. So it's direct news, and we see it produce some things in these shepherds. So that's what I want us to look, look at. Uh, first of three things is desire. So we see peace produce desire in these shepherds. I want to reread 15. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. So maybe they did and we're not told about it, but the shepherds, we don't read, they weren't commanded to go visit this baby. The angels just show up and they say, hey, this is what the baby's going to look like and this is going to be his nature, this is what he's going to bring in his presence. But they talk to one another and they conclude with one another. They say, let's go and check this out for ourselves. Let's go see 
for ourselves, and they go with haste, it says. So they are in a hurry, and they go to Jesus to look at Jesus, and they find him, and they find Mary and Joseph. So upon hearing the news of this person that brings peace between God and man, they wanted and desired to go to him. They wanted to go to him. They were afraid at first. They received news of joy and peace, and it makes them go towards him. And a couple of things I want us to look at in this desire that is produced in them. There's probably a better word for this, but the togetherness of it. The togetherness of it. Their action from this desire, their going to check out Jesus for themselves, it came out of mutual encouragement. Luke writes, they said to one another, let's go check this out. So, I don't know how many shepherds there were, but you knew there were probably a few different personalities. There's probably one dude like in a fetal position crying from seeing the glory of God. There's probably some skeptic guy being like, that didn't just happen. There's probably some realist that's trying to explain it, being like, y'all let so-and-so cook again, and he put bad whatever in our supper, and you know that's why this happened. But they mutually talk with one another, and they're like, hey, I think God just spoke to us, and we better go see this for ourselves. There's a mutual encouragement. They reason and assure one another, we, we have to go see this. The sheep will be fine. We have to go check this out. And a good reminder for us in a time when we're prone to forget everything, that God calls us to action and keeps us motivated toward Jesus through one another a lot. He calls us to action and keeps us motivated through one another. Some of y'all are struggling. Us, we struggle to walk with Jesus, and we're so prone to get totally isolated. And you bust up in here and endure me or whoever's talking for the day, and you need more than that. You need people, and I need people, and we need people that are not afraid to use their voice in your life, voices that point to a God that speaks in Jesus. When we're getting caught up in whatever, all the things we get caught up in, somebody to say, let's listen to the promises of Jesus. So when we're like, hey, marriage is really hard, somebody that will use their voice to say, hey, marriage is not only a good gift from God, but it's something he uses to sanctify and cleanse and give you growth. Your trouble is actually a good productive thing. Let me point you to Jesus. Hey, parenting is hard. Somebody to use their voice to point to the gospel, come along beside, reassure, help, offer guidance, wisdom. Us saying, hey, this sin is really fun. I really like it. I know God says, don't do this, don't touch this. But it's really fun somebody to use their voice to say, but where does that lead? Where does that desire come from? Let's look at real satisfaction in Jesus. Call me next time that this comes to mind. God calls us to action, keeps us motivated toward Jesus through one another. And you see what it produces in these men. They make haste. They hurry. It wasn't this obligatory, like, gosh, I guess we got to go over there and look like they wanted to go. They wanted to go towards Jesus. So this desire produced from news of peace. So desire, us wanting Jesus. like want, I think a lot of us would say we want to want him. But to actually honestly say that we desire and want him might feel far at times. And it's a product. And these shepherds, remember last week, they're just detached, normal shepherds. Just normal people at work. And the announcement of peace between humans and God produces this naturally. Second thing is treasure. So we see produce per, peace, produce treasure, treasuring. Let's look at 17 through 19. And when they saw it, they made known, this is the shepherds, the saying that had been told to them concerning this child. 
And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured all these things, pondering them in her heart. So again, we hear this all the time. We hear this story. We've heard it probably since we could hear stories. But to honestly think about what's going on, you're Mary and Joseph. Remember, they're, they're not at home. They're in Joseph's hometown because there's a census. There's a counting of the people. So any of you women who've carried a child at any point in your life, you're on the road, very pregnant, on a hybrid, and not a gas-electric hybrid, but a donkey-walking hybrid. <laughs> and it's hot and rocky and dirty and dusty. So you get to Banks, Alabama, and the, the one Airbnb is full, and you end up delivering a baby in somebody's barn without anesthesia. That's where you're at. Poor Joseph doesn't have the little coffee dispenser at Baptist East that's in the hallway. Doesn't have the, the hospital calf. Poor fella. Like, there's a lot going on, and then a group of shepherds that you don't know show up in the barn that you just delivered a baby without anesthesia in. There's a lot happening. There's a lot. So these shepherds tell Mary what was told to them in the field, and my mind goes to Joseph immediately. Scripture's painfully silent about Joseph. I wish we had more, but we just don't. But if we just tie our minds to where his mind was probably at, you know, we remember that he wasn't so sure about Mary's claim that the Holy Spirit had brought about this child. He was going to divorce her. He has a dream. He sticks it out with her out of faith. You've got to think how great of a gift it would be if you're Joseph in this moment, not really sure who this, baby's, who this baby is. For these random people to bust up in a barn and say, hey, angels just showed up and told us about this moment. Such a great just validation to Joseph's heart and his actions on faith. Such a good gift. So there's apparently, we see others, I don't know who the others are, hearing what the shepherds are saying, and they're not sure about what's happening. It says they wonder. And no wonder they wonder. Imagine you're at the Piggly Wiggly tomorrow and, and you've never heard this story and somebody walks up and tells you that a virgin produced God in the flesh on earth in a barn one day. You know, you'd smile and back away slowly and probably call the police. That would be news to you and weird news to you, but it's, it's not to Mary. In verse 19 it says she treasured these things, pondered them in her heart, stored them up in her heart, this is not news to Mary. She's seeing God's promises come to fruition and come into action that she's been dwelling on through faith for a long time at this point, for almost a year at this point. She's watching God do what he told her she would, he would do. And every second for her is a treasure. It's a treasure for Mary to see God do what he told her he would do. For Mary, the Prince of Peace and his arrival is to be pondered and soaked up. So, I'm y'all's pastor, and in regard to a lot about following Jesus, I'm like these other people in the story. I wonder a lot about how it all works. I wonder about it. We humans love to head-scratch and be like a four-year-old that asks, why, 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 why? Explain it to me. And that's not bad, but in that, just... Ask myself and y'all, when's the last time you pondered and thought about Jesus as a treasure? As your treasure. I see y'all's faces. I know a lot of y'all's stories. Some insane promise has been fulfilled in your life and in your family. God's done what he's told you he would do in his care and growth, saving, cleansing, growing, 
of you? What would it look like to wake up and just treasure that for a moment? And that is a real broad, general thing that I hate to leave you with. So just a specific, a good test that we've talked about before. From Tim Keller, he calls it just the idle mind test. You know, he's in New York, so he talks about when you're waiting on the subway. We don't do that in Troy. So when you're waiting on a checkout line at Walmart or whatever we wait on around here, or for the trains that come when it's time to drop your kids off at school, (laughs) where does your mind go? Where does your mind go when it doesn't have to go anywhere? And, and does your idle mind ever go to the, the realities of Jesus' love for us? That's a hard thing. It might be a, a hard truth that it just doesn't a lot. We've, we're indwelt by a spirit that helps us understand the complex beauty of peace with God. And I think to begin to walk towards this treasure is just a simple prayer that I pray a lot. God, bring yourself up in my mind and through conversations and situations that I might look at you and treasure you and be like, wow, God. Last thing, praise. So peace produces desire, treasure, and finally praise. So verse 20. And the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. So praise. These shepherds returned, Luke says, and they were glorifying God as they returned. They had heard and seen. So angels say, hey, you're going to go over here and see this. They go over there and they see that. And what they saw was just as it had been told. So just compelling enough news for them to go and check it out for themselves, but crazy enough to spark huge, huge praise. We probably can identify with that moment where somebody says, like, oh, this package you've been waiting on is here, and we're really excited, but we have to run out and see it for ourselves, and we see it. And that transition from pretty sure it's going to happen to really beholding it. And they, they go through that moment with God. So they see, like their faith becomes sight. They get to see God in the flesh. So what did they do? They probably hung out for a minute, no doubt. Back in the days when you had babies and people would come see you at the hospital, y'all probably know those people that just stayed too long in your room, busted up in your room. People visiting you after you just went through a pretty traumatic thing. But this is the Savior, the Christ. What do they do? Do they drop everything? Do they leave their sheep to the pasture? Do they build a building in the site, start charging admission? Do they start a new religion on the spot? They quit their life and just stay in this moment? They don't do any of those things. They behold God with their eyes, and in verse 20, Luke says they returned. They went home, and they went back to work. They went back to their sheep. They had a supernatural encounter that sent them back to their normal, but with a big difference with worshiping as they went. There's a really cool view about 2 Thessalonians. It's Paul's letter to a church, and Paul gets on to them. He's like, y'all got to quit lounging around, and you got to go to work. And what we're pretty sure is happening, and this is pretty admirable and cool, but they were so jazzed up about Jesus coming back that they just quit life. They quit working. And they just hung out together. And we're just like, we're just going to chill and kind of live off one another until Jesus comes back. And Paul's like, y'all got to go back to work. Y'all got to go back to life. Y'all got to get back to living. And I think we as humans are just aware enough of the brokenness in our world that faith can become a vehicle to escape the world. And so many religions approach faith in that way 
But Jesus himself doesn't do that. He, we, we went over this several weeks ago in John 17, 15. He says, God, I'm not praying that you take them out of the world. I just pray that you'd protect them from the world, that you'd sanctify them in your truth. This baby would grow up to call people, transform them, and send them back to the world to point to him and to point to a redeeming Savior. In Acts, we'll see God scatter a church that was prone to want to huddle and just sit in a transcendent experience. And the convenient thing is if, if I'm in here having a religious experience, I don't have to go do conflict with other broken people. I don't have to explore a relationship with my wife. I don't have to you know, figure out ethics at work and all the, the hard things that Jesus calls us to go back into and point to him through. God says, y'all go, go back to work, go back to family, and as you go, make disciples, is what he said before he ascended Jesus on the mountain in Matthew 28. I think some of y'all are so scared that you beholding Jesus and truly following him seriously either means that you end up doing what I do, or you're going to be getting on a, a plane with Joey and Esther Faulkner and go into a third world country one day. And we really pray that God calls more to do either of those things and several things in between. But for so many of y'all, God will save you, sanctify you, and fill you with his spirit to go teach in a classroom or to go coach or to go sell or to go lead or to go manage. And you'll do eight to five and you'll go home and be with your kids and you'll serve your church and it'll matter immensely to a God that would evoke worship in you and through you as you do those things. Peace evokes worship in these people's normal. So desire, treasure, peace. I'm going to acknowledge this elephant in the room. You can't in any of those things just say, I'm going to go desire Jesus. I'm going to go treasure Jesus. I'm going to go make myself praise. Those are things that can't be manipulated or forced regardless of how hard we try. There are things that happen in these random shepherds' lives through their beholding the fact that God's holy, we're not. There's a huge chasm, separation there, and this baby is going to grow up to fix it and repair it. And we get to see so much more and know so much more than these men did. May we behold, may we ask God to help us behold peace with him, that we have peace with him through this Jesus that would grow up, live, die, resurrect, ascend. Pictures help us, and we get to do that in a minute. We get to look at some pictures that will help us. We, we take communion today. Uh, don't do it yet. We're going to do it during the third song together. So we're going to do it together. A big part of communion is us depending on Jesus at the same time, remembering that we depend on him at the same time. It's a perfect Sunday to look at it in peace. You're going to have this very mediocre little small wafer cracker that's not magical or special in and of itself. It represents the body of Jesus. So the fact that Jesus was born as a baby, a human baby, and grew up and lived perfectly for a lifetime through adulthood and never did anything wrong for you and did all things that God commands for you. And then his body was nailed to a cross, so Jesus lived perfectly for you. That's one reason we have peace with God, because God came and did what we couldn't do for us. He lived perfectly for us. That's one requirement. That would just leave us in a neutral spot because we all have thought, said, done, sin. Stuff that God says don't do. 
So we owe him a great debt. We've fallen short of his holiness and glory. His glory and perfection cannot behold our imperfection. So that same juice that would live perfectly for us will go to the cross and not only endure a really terrible way to die, but will take on all of God's mad against our sin, all of the anger that we're owed, that we deserved. Jesus doesn't sweep it under the rug. He doesn't gift wrap it, hide it, doesn't conceal it. He absorbs it. It's spin out on him, poured out. God's wrath poured out on him. This juice represents the blood of Jesus that was spilt for that. So through body and blood, we remember that God came to us, and he had to come to us because of how miserably far we were from him. But he came to us, he lived, died, resurrected, ascended. We remember that through these elements, and we also look forward to the fact that he's coming again. That's what we'll, that's what we'll do in a minute. That's a lot. Pray God would just bring that up in our mind as we do it together. Some logistical things. If you're not a member of our church or you're visiting with family, and we invite you to do communion with us as a fellow brother or sister in Jesus. So in regards to open table, we do practice it in that way. We invite you to partake with us as a brother and sister in Jesus, unified by the same Holy Spirit. Now, any of you that are investigating faith, you're not sure. You're like, I just don't buy this yet. I'm, I'm not positive. We invite you to watch and observe. Um, this isn't a cultural experience. It's something we take as sacred and serious for the church. We invite you to watch and ask us questions about what we're doing. I'd invite any of you that have a catch that are believers, brothers and sisters in Christ, but you have a serious grievance between another brother and sister or between you and God about some unrepentant, unacknowledged thing in your life. If you feel any kind of catch that you would wait not partake, and maybe talk to us about that catch and let us walk through that with you. But for all of us, may we stop and remember why and how we have peace with Jesus. So logistically, I'm going to pray. We're going to sing about half of a song, and in the middle I'll come back up and lead us in one at a time. So y'all just hold what you got, and we'll do it in a minute. So let's pray.